0: everyone, welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland. Another weekend in Northeast Ohio that is certainly not suited for baseball, but that's why we are here each week to provide warm thoughts of summer days to come. And of course, talk baseball with you. And coming up on this week's show, New Indians first baseman Yonder Alonso joins us fills us in on the main reason he chose to sign with the Tribe.
1: Uh, It felt good. I wanted to go to a winning team. I wanted to go to a team that that has been there for the World Series and has had success uh, in in years past. So For me, it was an easy the decision, no doubter, for me to go to a team that that was going to be uh, at the top of the American League and and you know being able to compete for not only a playoff run but but a World Series run.
0: Also on the docket this week, Twins radio voice Corey Provis. He gives us not only a Twins preview for the season, and uh, that should be a very strong ball club and a contender in the American League Central with the Tribe for the title. But Corey will also explain some of the challenges of ice fishing in the great state of Minnesota when winter temperatures are consistently below zero.
2: I love the water. I love the idea of going out and dropping a line in the water, but it may get to a point where, hey, it's minus one. Is this really a good idea? Is this really a wise decision to really do?
0: Plus, we will get the latest news on Tribe Fest, which is next weekend from Joel Hammond, and we'll have an update on contract signings for the Indians this past week. All coming your way as Tribe Talk gets rolling on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, Jim Rosenhouse, along with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Don't forget, check us out on Twitter, at Indians Radio is our Twitter address. And uh, certainly very happy to be able to bring you a conversation we had earlier this week with new Indians first baseman Yonder Alonzo, signed to a two-year free agent contract shortly before the holiday season, and he'll be a big key to this season's fortunes for the Tribe as they try to fill that spot at first pace, vacated by Carlos Santana, who ended up signing as a free agent with the Phillies. And uh, certainly, Alonzo is capable of doing that after the breakthrough season in 2017. He's a former first-round pick of the Reds out of the University of Miami, and this past season posted a career best in home runs, 28 home runs, while driving in 67, splitting the season between the Athletics, where he had such a strong first half that he made the American League All-Star team and then was traded to the Mariners at the trade deadline to give them a boost down the stretch. Now, 2018 brings Yonder Alonzo to Cleveland, and he says he can't wait to get started with the Indians for a number of reasons.
1: Yeah, well I mean definitely uh so grateful for the opportunity and being able to have the opportunity to to play for such a an incredible organization and you know I think uh looking from the outside in when I was playing with other teams uh you know you always sense a, a bond between uh, all the players and and you know the one the main attitude was you know to win at all costs and you know, how everybody helped each other out and, you know, they they, 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 were, they were all together and it was uh 25 guys or, you know, 35, 40 guys strong. And, you know, now that I'm here, it's definitely uh, a, a, a nice breath because uh, you can feel like, like everybody is, is is just very uh, genuine and, you know, ready to play and, and ready to get after it and, you know, just help each other out. And I feel like that's, those are the things that, that – is the reason why I came here is because, uh, you know, they take care of their guys. Their guys uh, tend to do even better when they're there, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward for the opportunity.
0: And you hit the off season as a free agent, and, and obviously that that means a, a lot of opportunities out there. When did it start to become realistic, and when did the Indians really start to get on your radar as a possibility?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely felt like uh, it was it was over. Things uh, kind of started wrapping up a little bit and, and getting a little busier, and then um, right before the winter meetings, uh, things were getting a little bit hotter as well with other teams. And um, you know, they just kind of came in—not uh, uh, last minute, but they definitely uh, came in pretty fast. And, and they were—they uh, showed their their willingness to to obviously welcoming me and, and my family. So uh, it felt good. I wanted to go to a winning team. I wanted to go to a team that that has you know been there to the World Series and has had success uh, in years past, so for me, it was an easy uh, decision and no doubter for me to go to a team that, that was going to be uh, at the top uh, of the American League and, and you know being able to compete for not only a playoff run, but, but a World Series run.
0: And you've been with a couple of different teams during your major league career. What's the key now to, to trying to, to make sure you fit in quickly and, and really get accustomed to things so that you can hit the ground running in spring training?
1: Well, you know, just be myself. Um, you know, I try to be myself at all times. I try to, you know, work hard. Um, you know, I'm not, not really the the talking guy. You know, I kind of just sit back, I get there and, and, and just go to work. You know, I think uh, with my work and, and the way I am and, you know, being able to be bilingual, um, I think that would help. But no question about it, I think I actually speak in the words. And for me, it's just to work, work hard, and, uh, you know, anything I can do to help the team win, and uh, it's a plus for me.
0: Yonder Alonso joining us, New Indians first baseman. You mentioned work, and and a lot of times you have to make sure it's the right work, and, and you had a breakthrough season power-wise last year, and I know a lot of talk about launch angle and some adjustments that you made. Uh, how did you arrive at, at making those adjustments, and, and what were the keys to, to having success at doing that, especially if, if you're used to, to swinging the bat a certain way or having a certain approach at the plate?
1: Well, I think for me it was more mechanical than anything. Um, obviously, mindset was a big deal to it. But I also I also saw my flaws and, and the things that I wanted to work on mechanically um, to improve my, my swing. And, and those were very crucial things to me. And, and one of those crucial things were obviously using my legs better. Uh, I felt like I was a little bit stuck with my lower half. And, you know, I was able to clean that up a little bit and, and things were – you know they went uphill after that and um you know right now it's actually was a learning experience for me the whole thing so I felt like I have a, a year under me now and, and now I'm gonna have two off seasons to continue to work on on what I want to accomplish and what I want to work on and, and be, you know and try to be as perfect as possible with it and uh, you know it's been working out for me I feel great this off offseason has been a, a great offseason uh, healthy and stronger than ever and, it feels like every guy says that every time uh, they go into spring training, but you know definitely uh, I feel great. um you know just very excited for the opportunity and you know ready to get going for sure.
0: and you'll play for Terry Francone. What do you know about about Tito from uh, maybe former teammates or or others in the game?
1: Oh man, incredible things. I mean, everybody that I've talked to, they say. How much of a, a player's uh, manager he is, how much he takes care of the guys, you know, how much he, he really cares about the guys and and their families, and you know, once his game came on, then his game on, uh, game on and, and we're ready to compete and ready to get after it. But you know, he's been uh, I've heard nothing but great things about him. You know, I, I recently spoke to him as well, and you know, he was very excited for me and and coming along uh, with the guys. So I'm gonna be seeing him. I'm assuming shortly here in uh, in FanFest, so I'm definitely looking forward to it, and, and I just can't can't wait to get to get here and, and get to work.
0: That's New Indians first baseman Yonder Alonso, and if you'd like to know a little bit more about what has driven Alonso throughout his career, I strongly encourage that you check out his self-written story on the Players' Tribune. Just go to com, or head to Google and type in Yonder Alonso Cuba, and he details his escape from Cuba with his family when he was only eight years old. It's written from, uh, again, his perspective uh, as an older, uh, more seasoned Major League veteran, but uh, looking back on when he was just eight years old. a fascinating and inspiring read, so uh, check it out. Just go to uh, Yonder Alonzo Cuba on Google, and uh, you should be able to find it there. It's a story that he wrote for the Players' Tribune. Now, Alonzo did mention it; he'd be at uh, TribeFest, Coming up next weekend, it's uh, next Saturday at the Cleveland Convention Center, and our next guest is Indian's Assistant Director of Communications, Joel Hammond. And with
3: TribeFest just a week away now, Joel fills us in on all the details. Really, Rosie, when we tell people or go show people what the space is like this year, the, the inevitable reaction is, wow. We have about 10 times the space that we've had in the past for this event. So we're bringing in more uh, activities like a baseball diamond, a pitcher's cage. Uh, we have a kid stage this year. Our main stage schedule is out, with, which we'll have uh, Q&As with our players and Terry and Chris and, and games like Minute to Win It and Say What. So the, the, the event this year will be unlike any other uh, in the past uh, and even better than any other in the past. And it's been a pretty good event in the past. So we're looking forward to really putting on a, uh, uh, you know, a great event for our fans. I
1: thought
0: it was interesting with, with that extra space. You were mentioning last week that it may lead if you do even if you don't have an autograph ticket per se, which which you can purchase to guarantee an autograph. There may be some nice opportunities,
3: maybe not to get an autograph, but to, to mix with with some of the players because of the space. Yeah, we're going to have our players out and about way more than in, than in the past. Where in the past we just didn't have the the room to activate around our players more. But now this year with this with this extra space, our players are going to be on the baseball diamond interacting with kids and our youth baseball staff. Our players are going to be on the kids stage reading books to kids and and interacting with them there. They're going to be in the in the pitcher's cage, uh, uh, you know, giving tips to to young kids. They're going to be on the main stage uh playing fun games like i said so much more uh, opportunity this year to interact with our uh, with our players and we know that's what our fans want so in addition to the opportunity for autographs in those autograph sessions for uh for an extra charge that ten dollar general admission ticket will get you really uh, anything you need uh this year um and it's we're we're really hopeful that our fans are going to love this year's this year's event
0: we don't need the whole roster, but
3: uh, how about a, just a preview,
0: some sm- a smattering of who's coming?
3: Yes, players you know for sure. So Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Bauer, Danny Salazar, Jason Kipnis, uh, Yonder Alonso, our new addition, will be here, and, and a bunch of other guys, too, that our fans will know. Tyler Olson, Nick Goody, the entire list is at Indians.com slash TribeFest. And uh, – uh, it's, uh, our players seem to like it, Rosie. I know you've had this experience with them. It's really ser- it really serves as a sort of beginning to the season, I think. You know, the, the holidays are over. Uh, the truck leaves in, in what, uh, you know two or three weeks. Uh, pitchers and catchers report on Valentine's Day. and I think it really kind of gets them energized, seeing our fans' excitement, seeing our fans' energy, and they come away from the event energized, too. So uh, really looking forward to, uh, again, uh, sharing this event with our fans this year. You know, it's funny, some of the
0: stage games – Uh, Andrew Miller in particular, as much of a competitor as he is in the late innings of a close game, Holy smokes, he took that stuff
3: seriously, and it was fun. And I'll tell you what, Rosie, you've never seen competitors until you see Jose Ramirez and Roberto Perez play Papa Shot, right? Which we're going to do on the main stage this year. We're going to have those guys play Papa Shot against each other and, and uh, again, some of those other games, including minutes to win, and say what, well, these guys are competitive no matter what they're doing, whether it's a putting challenge at Goodyear or, or racing each other to their cars or um, wait till you see Roberto and Jose play pop a shot against each other if you if you think you've seen competitors before uh this will put a new spin on the word competitor all right uh, one more time uh date time format how to get tickets week from today january 20th cleveland convention center it's on lakeside avenue in downtown cleveland really easy to get to parking there's a couple city-owned garages right there on lakeside that, that our fans can park in Indians.com slash TribeFest has ticket information and roster information. That ten dollar general admission ticket is all you need uh, to have a great experience at Tribefest. Now there are uh, thirty-five dollar autograph sessions tickets still available in the four fifteen and five thirty time ranges. But really looking forward to seeing our fans. It's gonna be an awesome event and uh, uh, we can't wait for a week from today.
0: Joel Hammond joining us, Indians Assistant Director of Communications and uh Joel, we're not going to let you off the hook this easy. This is the last time we're going to interview you, and this is a bummer. Uh, Joel's the leaving for another opportunity career-wise and and looking forward to that, and we will miss you greatly. And I know fans of social media, of the Cleveland Indians, will miss you tremendously. It's been a, a great five years building it up. When you talk to, to fans or people in sports or with teams, when they talk about, who's taken advantage the most of the increased growth in social media, seems like the Indians have been at the top of that list. How have have you, in your role, been able to grow social media and, and make it a big part of what the Indians do?
3: Yeah, we, I appreciate that, Rosie. And uh, as you know, uh, baseball is a great game, but it is uh, it is tough on family. So uh, with uh, we have a second shot on the way, so going to take an opportunity to spend more time at home. But what, what we've tried to do with our social media accounts – is never miss an opportunity to interact with our fans. So that could be uh, 12.30 a.m. after a big walk-off win and you're at home trying to wrap things up and really kind of come down, right? You know how it is, Rosie. After an exciting game, you go home, you're not ready for bed yet. So uh, that could be at 12.30 a.m. That could be at 6 a.m. the next morning when a fan has a question about the next night's game, right? Um, So we have really tried to interact with our fans as often as possible and in as many places as possible. So that could be in the in our Instagram comments. It could be going and commenting on photos that fans tag us in on Instagram. It could be in the Facebook comments. It could be via Facebook message. It could be on Twitter with contests or just thanking people for being at the game or being a part of the conversation. We've we've always wanted to reward people who, uh, who are part of our conversation and, and who support our team. So um, that's what we've tried to do, and, and you're right. We, we have had some success with it, and I, I'm confident that the team uh, that we have in place will – We'll continue it, and uh, I'll certainly be watching uh, from afar, no doubt. A lot of interaction with players. A favorite for whatever reason uh, over the five years. Well, we uh, we just this past offseason or this past season, uh, Rosa, you know this. We we had finally some success with the All-Star Game vote, right? We we our fans voted Jose Ramirez into the as a starter, our first fan-voted starter since Juan Gonzalez. So 16 years later, we finally. So that was a fun campaign, and uh, we dressed uh, Francisco and Jose up in uh, uh, oversized suit jackets and created a fake crime scene in the dugout and and created a spoof on CSI Miami, you know? And so that was a good one. I mean, that one will probably live on as uh, something I point to where, okay, I've and that goes back to we've known those guys for four years now, right? So um, you know them well, and, and uh, you use those relationships. And I know those two guys wanted to be in the All-Star game badly. They wanted to represent the Indians, our fans. So I said, do you trust me? Yes. Give me 15 minutes tomorrow. We're going to do this. And they said, okay. And it was one of the best things that uh, any team has done here in the last few years. So um, we had a ton of fun. Our players are great, and I'll, I'll certainly miss that part of it.
0: We'll miss you too, Joel, for sure. And uh, best of luck in your future endeavors. Thanks a lot for coming by today. Appreciate it, Rosie. That's Joel Hammond, the Indians' assistant director of communication and Tribe Fest will be his last day with the Indians after a great five-year run. As uh, you heard him say, he's moving on. And the office and the Twitterverse and beyond will not be the same without Joel around. He'll, he will definitely will be missed. And, uh, Joel, if you're listening, Good luck, buddy, and uh, it was great to have worked with you the past five years. Stay with us. When we return, we continue with our American League Central Division Rivals previews with a look at the young and hungry Minnesota Twins. That's coming your way shortly as we continue with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. This week we continue with our look around the American League Central Division with a preview of the Minnesota Twins. And a year ago when we checked in with Twins radio voice Corey Provis, Minnesota was coming off uh, just a dreadful season. They had lost more than 100 games, and that led to major front office changes. And what a difference a year can make. Uh, Last season, 2017, under the guidance of of a new team president of baseball operations and former Indians assistant general manager, Derek Falvey. Well, the Twins put together a remarkable turnaround and reached the postseason as a wildcard team. And uh, now Corey Provis rejoins us this year, and he says 2017 will go down as one of the more memorable seasons in Minnesota Twins history.
2: It really was, Rosie, and uh, great to be back with you. And and I, and I I, you bring up, Took some great points. We spoke last year about, you know, looking ahead to 2017 and what kind of year would the team have. And there really wasn't much optimism based on the team in 16 losing more games than they ever had in, in team history. And then the roster didn't look all that differently uh, looking back at, at 2017. So it wasn't like the Twins just tore up their, their team and added all these new faces that gave you hope and optimism that the team could find. A way to contend and compete. Yet, you know, I, I think something that we maybe even talked about on this program last year. I think the 2016 season was lost after nine games. They they were 0-9 to start the year. They just never recovered, nor has any team ever recovered from from a start like that. Whereas in 17, they got off to a great start. They 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 won their first six games. Uh, they they really I think got that off their back a little bit. That hey. We, we, nobody's picking us to win but to maybe prove people at least at the beginning that this is going to be better than 16 something as small as getting off to a good start they did and i don't think that was insignificant that they were able to get off to a good start then they weathered some storms uh, around the trade deadline they're adding they're subtracting within a day and they have one bad west coast road trip that maybe changes the look of things and you know then august flipped and there was the winning month and that was the the month where the twins just seemed to win so many games and I, I i thought a strength of the team would be the offense and then rosie the second half of last season they were up there with with the best in baseball and scoring runs and the offense kind of carried it the starting pitching was marginally better some new faces in the bullpen uh, that you didn't anticipate contributed a little bit but all in all there 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 is some hope and now there is some some excitement about what this team may accomplish even more in 2018 and, and with
0: good teams uh, you mentioned uh, offense pitching obviously important but sometimes there's just a, a good feeling about a ball club that, that meshes well together and, and you mentioned around the trade deadline boy it looked like the twins were were looking ahead to the coming seasons and not 2017 is there a player or two that that said, no, 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 this team still has a chance to reach postseason this year, and and how did that all come together when it looked like they were short in terms of talent?
2: Well, Brian Dozier is the one that that really kind of, he spoke his mind to to the front office about how disappointed he was in the direction that they went, Um, you know, right around the trade deadline, the Twins got swept at Dodger Stadium, as many teams did. It's not just the Twins last year, uh, but many teams, you know, had the same issue now in two of those three games for what it's worth the twins had eighth inning leads and just didn't have the power in the bullpen to, to miss bats and then to secure the final outs to win the game but Brian Dozier after you know Brandon Kinsler was traded and Jaime Garcia lasted you know one start as a twin he kind of let the front office hear about it you know more or less saying that fine they, they don't want to believe in us we'll, we'll show them, and he was the guy that backed it up and he said his piece, and nobody faulted him for that. I think even Derek Falvey and Thad Levine and, and others appreciated his candor and his and how open he was about how disappointed he was speaking for the team about the direction that they went at the deadline. They didn't really add too much over the course of time, but they, just, they being the, the players that stayed just rallied around that, man. They just rallied, and they got off to that good start that I mentioned earlier, but then they seemed to play their best baseball by far, In August, now they got some luck along the way. There's no doubt about that. But they just took off in August, and it wasn't just Dozier. It was Polanco. It was Eddie Rosario. It was Byron Buxton showing, like, this guy is going to be just an amazing, amazing player. And the starting pitching, for the most part, it was Irvin Santana all season long. But a guy that I think would not have been on the team for 2018, if not for the way that he finished, was Kyle Gibson. I Kyle Gibson was having a dreadful, dreadful year. Got sent down, and it wasn't because of injury. It was because of performance. Yet, when it came down to it that he needed to step up or, or his his Twins career was probably going to end, he pitched his best baseball the last five, six weeks of the season. Without Gibson's contribution, among others, there's no way the Twins win that wild card spot.
0: Corey Pro is joining us, the Twins radio voice. And, uh, Corey, you talk about 2017 now. How... How do the Twins keep it going and build on that good young team? How do they keep that momentum going in 2018? And at least early on in what has been a quiet off season for most teams, what have you made of some of the, the smaller moves so far for Minnesota with still a, a lot of offseason left?
2: Well, like so many teams, Rosie, they're, they're trying to improve pitching and starting pitching especially, but at least some moves in the bullpen. And so they've, they've, they've made a couple of additions in their bullpen, nothing uh, that, that's going to just blow you away, but they added Fernando Rodney for a year, and they signed lefty Zach Duke for a year, and Rodney is getting up there in age, but he still saved almost 40 games last year, and Rodney, despite his age, he does have swing and miss stuff. He does have a good strikeout rate, and that has been a gaping hole for the Twins now, Rosie, not just for a year or two, but since I've been with the team now, going back to 2012, the Twins have been near the bottom. In not just the American League, but in all the Major League Baseball, are getting strikeouts from their pitching staff. Starters and open combined, they don't have enough power. They don't have enough swing and miss arms. Where well, Rodney is at least a guy that can't do that despite uh, despite his age, he still has that uh, in his arsenal. You know, Zach Duke, there, there's not much risk there. I think the Twins understand that he's not long removed from Tommy John surgery, but still his ERA is, is competitive. Um so I, I think those are two little moves there and then you're gonna kind of start to hear about this this wave of young pitching that's going to come up. And I think in past years, Rosie, when we've when we've spoken on this program about you know, some young names, they were more offensive minded. Well, I think now this next wave is gonna be more pitching uh oriented and uh you know, a guy like Steven Gonzalez, I think he'll be he'll make his debut as a starting pitcher at some point this season. I think Fernando Romero will be the same. And then, you know, John Curtis and J.T. Shagwai and Jake Reed, these are some power arms the Twins are going to count on here. Some have debuted before, some haven't, and some have been hurt by injury. Some have been hurt by performance. But, you know, these aren't necessarily young, young arms. They're guys who pitched in college who have been working their way through the system but now are on the cusp of of making an impact. So I I think there are going to be some names that maybe aren't, aren't popular or aren't really known throughout the game today. But I think six months from now when we chat, uh, some of these names will will sound familiar. And all these good things are happening
0: after a major change at the top of the front office. And I know uh, Terry Ryan, very well-respected baseball man for many, many seasons. But there has been a, certainly some growth for the Twins since Derek Falvey took over in the top spot in the organization. And, and what have you noticed just as a, someone who's around the team every day? Uh, what have some of the changes been that have allowed the Twins not only to, to win at the major league level, but as you said, really start to get things rolling in, in the farm system to, to kind of keep it going and building?
2: I just like I like Derek's stories about Terry Francona and, and Kevin Cash. Those, <laughs> ah. those, those stories that Derek just can rattle off about those two guys, I just find I find fascinating. Um, I, I really do. But I think, and, and, and Derek and Thad, even during the celebratory moment that the team had in Cleveland, uh, you know, that late night when the when the White Sox beat the Angels and the Twins celebrated in Cleveland there, uh, that wild card spot, um, many, rightly so, were, were complimentary to, to Terry Ryan and to Wayne Krifsky and to Bill Smith and to, and to many others who helped draft and develop a lot of these young players that blossomed not just last year but even going back to the last two seasons or so, uh, I just think that that the that the team and the organization needed some not just fine tuning but needed a fresh perspective and needed to take a look at how they prepare and how they analyze and how they study and how they develop that there there is still some old school mentality, and I'm not going to say that's completely removed from how how this thing is being built but they're just using some modern-day analysis that that wasn't necessarily here and it wasn't necessarily at the forefront into building a winning, contending, competitive team. And Derek is just as smart as they they come, Rosie, as you know, and he just is bright and he has an idea and he's hands-on and he works well with so many people. It's a collaborative effort with with, with Thad and and so many others in the front office that, that only is going to get better. And just the amount of paperwork that even Paul Molitor, have on his desk every day. It was it was noticeably different. There were more things he had to kind of play with and look at and study to make out a winning lineup, uh, day in and day out. What arms were going to be useful that day out of the bullpen, and, and just the amount of information he had was different. That that was something that I could I could tangibly look at. Speaking with Paul every day, what was different about 2017 as opposed to 2016 or prior. That the amount of information that Paul had to kind of use and 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 study and maybe just kind of play with and learn uh, to make a winning lineup every day that that was noticeably different and a lot of that could be traced back to the preparation that Brad and Derek and, and Jeremy Hefner and Jeff Tickler and a lot of other guys uh, kind of help mold for Paul each and every day. Finishing
0: up with Corey Provis, Twins radio voice. Our Twins preview here on Tribe Talk, And, and Corey, we would be remiss. If we did not talk about uh, what's on your schedule early next week, fans here in Cleveland obviously enduring what has been an extremely cold winter. It's always cold up in Minnesota, and you have the, the Twins caravan coming up next week. What's going on for you in Mankato uh, early next week uh, when it's supposed to be a, a high of minus 1 what do you got going
2: yeah we have uh so yeah the twins caravan is is a great tradition it's the most expansive i think caravan any team does any sport uh professionally uh it's something that the twins have done every year since 1961 since the inaugural season of twins baseball uh in in the twin cities and they send out you know in this case it's it's over a two week period with this year is a little different with the Super Bowl coming here in early February. Normally it's two weeks of caravan and then that second week leads up to Twins Fest, whereas this year it's going to be you know, one week of caravan, then Twins Fest, then the following week will be another two legs of caravan. But I'm going out Monday with a group of players and then simultaneously, uh the great Danny Glenn is going out with his group. Um, also on monday and the, the two caravan legs are going to meet in mankato which isn't too far from the metro uh a little southwest of uh of minneapolis uh for an ice fishing tournament on uh, on monday afternoon that's going to be a blast i say that but the high is supposed to be minus one rosie on uh on monday all day and uh look i love the water I love the idea of going out and dropping a line in the water, but it may get to a point where, hey, it's minus one. Is this really a good idea? Is this really a wise decision to really do? And do you want to have some of your your, your better players out there in these elements? You know what? They're just going to say toughen up, do it, and uh, make the most of it.
0: So you're spending this weekend lining up your lures and, and your bait to, to be ready
2: and prepared? Yeah, I'm, I got some other things in store too. I mean, I don't know. I mean, dynamite. I'm not sure if that's really allowed in certain certain water uh, areas up here. But uh, you know, I'm going to be open minded to anything and everything that's going to help me do well, but also expedite the process,
0: Rosie. Well, hopefully, hopefully you thaw out in time so when we uh, when we see you in Puerto Rico when the Indians play the Twins in the month of April, you'll be, you'll be all set to go down yeah. there.
2: We got, a, uh, we got a big dinner that Monday night. Tom Hamilton's buying, right? Yeah. We talked about that last season, that Tommy, is he's buying. We got a big night out, and he just can't stay inside and have, you know, bacon and beer. He's got to go out, and he's got to immerse himself in the community. And if he doesn't, we're going to call him out on it.
0: Corey, thanks so much for coming by. Always a pleasure to have you on, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks. Rosie, happy new year, buddy. That's Twins Radio Voice, Corey Provis. And again, when it gets chilly... Here in Cleveland, just think of Corey and Twins fans where a day in the teens temperature-wise up in that part of the country is downright tropical. Well, stay with us. When we come back, it's our final segment of Tribe Talk. We'll have the rundown on the contract status of the Indians' arbitration-eligible players. A lot of signings this week, taking care of that and avoiding arbitration, which the Indians have been so good at over the years and there are some key names in that group so you stay with us our final segment coming your way shortly on the cleveland clinic indians radio network welcome back to tribe talk jim rosenhouse back with you from progressive field in downtown cleveland our final segment on this week's show and an update On the Indians' arbitration-eligible players, and the Indians have had a great history of not going to arbitration and having it settled outside of the realm of the player in the ball club negotiating and settling on a contract. It's happened very few times over the years, the most recent being a couple of seasons back when both Josh Tomlin and Vinny Pastano went to arbitration, and the ball club won both of those cases and uh, nobody's gone since. They've managed to work things out this season. The Indians had seven different players eligible for salary arbitration, and this week, and uh, in some cases weeks prior, the Indians have reached contract agreements. It happened earlier at Dan Otero, who signed a two-year Contract and uh, he'll certainly help out that Indians bullpen. And speaking of the bullpen, earlier this week the Indians uh, reached a contract agreement with closer Cody Allen, so he's all set and in the fold for 2018, all set to go. Also, settling on a contract earlier this week, Lonnie Chisenhall. He'll be slotted in there in the outfield uh, on a regular basis to be sure, at least as it stands right now. Pitcher Danny Salazar, who Well, it'll be an interesting camp for him to see if he can nail down a spot in that starting rotation and stay healthy. That's been his biggest challenge. Also, reliever Zach McAllister, he reached agreement earlier this week. And uh, Abraham Almonte in that mix, too. He has reached an agreement as well with the Indians. That was earlier in the offseason. Trevor Bauer and the Indians exchanged figures but have not reached a contract agreement yet. Now, that does not mean that they're going – Uh, to the arbitration process, there's still time to work that out. But starting on January the 29th, that is when the hearings will begin. So the Indians and Bauer, who are about, looks like about a million dollars apart, maybe a little bit less than that, uh, reportedly, uh, they're going to try and work things out here before it comes to that, and uh, we'll see what transpires there between a pitcher who had a tremendous season a year ago, a breakthrough year for Trevor Bauer, and the Indians. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Great to have you with us as, um, again, winter weather is here in earnest. But uh, next weekend, be sure to join us a little bit earlier if you try and catch this show live on the Indians Radio Network. Our good buddy Nick Camino will be broadcasting live from Tribe Fest. I'll be working some of the stage shows in involving the players uh, during the course of Tribe Talk. But if you can't make it down to Tribe Fest next Saturday, tune in right here on many of these same Indians Radio Network stations and uh, catch Tribe Talk from Tribe Fest with your host, Nick Camino. Until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network.